Welcome to Slime House, a podcast rated PG for crude humor, outrageous hijinks, and mild language. I'm Dorothy. I'm Jasper. I'm Jared. I'm Max. And I'm Nelson. And today we're covering the Willies and Who's Harry Crumb. We are trying something new. We're doing a double slime shuffle because we got two really good picks on the slime shuffle meter. So we're going to cover the Willies first and then... Uh, we're going to jump into Who's Harry Crumb in the second half of the show. So let's kick it off with the Willies. This story is guaranteed to give you Willies. you guys definitely haven't heard of. Wow. Michael just made all of that up. I wish I did. My dad told me that story and it happened. I swear to God. <laughs> so 1990's The Willies is an anthology of campfire tales. Uh, three young kids in a sleepover start telling each other spooky stories and we get some spooky creepy and gross tales that involve things like monsters in the bathroom fried rats microwave machines giant flies you name it um it was written and directed by brian peck and it stars most notably sean astin of lord of the rings and the goonies fame and then a few other cameos Kirk Cameron, Tracy Gold, Jeremy Miller, who are all on Growing Pains, and then Dana Ashbrook and Kimmy Robertson, who were in Twin Peaks. Yeah, and they may not only does Sean Astin appear in this movie, and as we mentioned, most famous for the Goonies, it's also implied in this movie that he's the same character from yes, the Goonies. It is. <laughs> yeah, he has the yes. same name, yeah. Michael, which Mikey was the kid in the Goonies, and at one point when he's telling stories, his is it his cousin, I think, or that he's mm-hmm. in the camping with? Is like, oh, are you going to tell that story about your friends in the pirate ship in that cave? So unofficial <laughs> yeah. Goonies sequel. It's part of the uh, the cinematic Gooniverse. Yeah, the Gooniverse, <laughs> along with the video game Goonies Two, and the and the <laughs> yeah. For so, a yeah, moment, so... I genuinely thought he was going. For a moment, I genuinely thought he was going to go into the story of the Goonies, just telling it, but it's just completely <laughs> refilmed with different actors. Or they yes. just put the Goonies in this movie, in the middle of the movie, just put the whole movie as one of the tales. But yeah. So <laughs> That's Sean actually Astin. what uh, The Hills of Eyes 2 does that. The, the, does it really? They, <laughs> yep. They have, flashback, <laughs> they have flashbacks, which are just scenes from The Hills of Eyes 1. Oh, um, I feel like I've seen that technique in movies before. That are just Oh, it's like really bad. Up. It's really lazy. The movie's yeah. only like 40 minutes long. It's itself and the rest is flashbacks <laughs> i saw a movie recently oh the the creature from the black lagoon and then i watched its two very unnotable sequels but the the second movie just straight up rips off shots from the first one but like uses them in a way that is like oh these are fresh shots but it's mm. like no i know exactly what this jungle shot was <laughs> you uh, used yes. it already in the first one some but... good stock footage or me um so this is a pretty random shuffle as far as they come. Um, does anyone have prior knowledge or experience of this flick? Yeah, this is a maybe our most obscure movie by a pretty long shot, I'd say, that we've covered. I'd never heard of this movie 
in my life and it's has very little footprint on online there's not really this movie doesn't have a cult following to speak of or anything and yeah it's just yeah i don't think i would be surprised if any of us correct me if i'm wrong but i didn't have any knowledge of this movie i'd be very surprised if anyone else here did either yeah the only reason i knew about this is because prior to doing the show um and kind of creating our letterboxd watch list i was just doing some kind of like deep research on like family films in this era and this one strictly by the cover art alone looked like it could be something slimy so i just threw it on the list without any kind of context about about what it is but you know this is one of those very fun surprises that we get in the slime shuffle there's a lot of slime house to it but then there's a lot not you know so i think it it it, it makes for an interesting discussion point especially for such a little little scene movie yeah, and it's fun to have a spooky slime movie kind of thrown at us right out of spooky slime season. So you get a little a little, a little Halloween in, in, in February, Halloween in winter. So yes. yeah, I always like having the chance to cover a spooky slime movie. And this was uh, a good, this was a good one. I'd say, I, I, we, I guess we'll get in further into how slimy the movie may be or not slimy it may be. But yeah, it's definitely a valuable entry in the, the spooky slime canon, I would mm-hmm. say. Dorothy, what um, what made you want to jump on the show for this for this particular film? Why why was your interest piqued? There's a lot of reasons. I feel like one of the main reasons is like you all said, it's really obscure. So I was kind of drawn uh, I was kind of drawn to it for that reason. I could tell that it had kind of a weirdness to it in a very genuine way. It was a very strange movie, and I could tell from the start. Um, but also, uh, I just asked Max. Uh, what your calendar looked like coming up, like what you were planning to record about, because I just missed recording with you all, and I was like, that jumped out to me. So, yeah, I mean, you are goosebumps guest, so you, you like, yeah, you, so I have like a passion for the for the uh, spooky slime. Yeah, you're our children's horror sort of sort of, sort of sort of you're you're an expert in the genre. You're a aficionado. So and and the, obviously the goosebumps movies were very goosebumps. This felt more in the vein of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Is what it felt very much to me as if we just want to get into sort of the the movie some and like yeah I feel like there's a it's not an adult film at all it's not a mature film but it's like darker than I feel like spooky slime tends to get more violent a little more mean-spirited than spooky slime tends to get and I feel like that's the sort of the key difference but yeah I guess we can get into it I think that this movie as we said it's an anthology and I think that it sort of that gives it away but to have a lot of different tones and sort of take on a lot of different characters and stuff through the movie. But I think this movie, it starts out at its slimiest and sort of gets less slimy as they go on because this movie starts out, as we said, it's an anthology, but it's really just two stories and then a bunch of like minute long skits at the beginning, which is sort of a strange way to structure. And I think those sketches at the beginning are when the movie feels definitely the slimiest and the, stories i think get increasingly i mean there's only two but they get less slimy yeah i was kind of annoyed frankly with the structure where it's like you think they're going to be three big stories just like by logic or whatever but they have the they have three mini bite-sized stories which are which are fun as you said max and then two kind of two long stories frankly like you know what i mean they both just feel a little 
too big and then the movie just ends after that pretty <laughs> yeah. much and yeah. i was just like where's the third like you yeah know, i was I, totally when i paused it and saw how close it was to ending and i was like oh i thought that, like I, I did not think this fly story was gonna be like the last thing the we big saw. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, and that's the frustrating thing it was like i agree with you nelson it was like eerily slow to only have like two <laughs> they were like between a small like anthology tale and like a like tiny movie and like it was just kind of like a very like made it it's so stunted and the vibe was so weirdly slow which made it lose so much momentum but like would randomly throw in like a gross out gag and make it slimy or whatever you know well because the beginning it's like he's telling these jokes like what's grosser than gross eating a bowl full of scabs like the kids telling which is like i think very slimy those scenes and someone like very he says, gross yeah like, and I like one of them like sean astin says that. like I got the urge to regurge and say, oh, yes, that yeah, was like the best the, line. The, yeah, the opening, you feel like this is going to be like the slimiest movie because it's just like people do say, kids saying gross things and then trying to one up each other with like gross urban legends. And I think those urban legend sequences, I thought when this movie started, we we're like, oh, this is going to be sick. We're just going to get like a bunch of like few minute long sequences reenacting like these famous urban legends in like really cartoony ways and then with all these cameos because like i said like one had kimmy robertson from twin peaks and then another had i was like oh we're just gonna get these cameos and it's just gonna be these bite-sized little gross out stories but then you get two like 40 minute stories (laughs) the tone was so off you couldn't tell it got so creepy and scary sometimes genuinely but other times it would just be really silly and surface level yeah, there was something about it that felt kind of like it. It didn't feel like horror to me in a lot of ways. We talk a lot about like mutant Americana on the show a bit. This kind of like weird, surreal version of like you know the classic American you know Americana. And to me, it kind of had that bend to it, but through a kid's lens. Um, but it's it. Part of me when it when it first started, I was like, this feels super slime house because like. These stories they're telling are not supposed to be scary. They're supposed to be kind of like funny and gross and like they're one upping each other with all these stories, which feels like something you would do at like around the campfire or like at scout camp or something. Like you'd always be like, oh, well, my dad did this. Oh, well, my cousin told me this story. You know, these like really loose, weird connections of the connecting you to these stories that are probably made up in the first place. So, in that way, I really actually liked the first like twenty minutes of this it, in a in a big way because I was like, this feels like very much like you know going to scout camp and just like chatting these dumb dumb you know stories that you hear. And I do happen to really like those three opening stories. Actually, like all the stories, frankly, I I did not have any issue with the pacing and structure. To be honest, I was just kind of along for the ride and embraced the stories for what they were. I think it I think this is a totally different conversation, but I think it kind of speaks to like anthology movies and what makes them work and what doesn't make them work. And when you sit and watch an anthology movie, like, are you watching it in the same way you watch a feature movie? Like, how do you how do you think about that? You know, The French Dispatch was a movie that made me think about that a lot that came out last year. Like, how do you consume an anthology film versus an actual feature film? But but in this way, you know, it felt it reminded me a lot of like a lot of Nickelodeon shows back in the day, like an Are You Afraid of the Dark or like uh, even all that in some ways or that uh, really cool animated variety show Kablam, you know, just these like funky, weird tales that don't really have like a 
important narrative. They're just kind of there to be cool and funky and interesting. So yeah, I I very much enjoyed this movie for for kind of just like what it was, and I think it really did fit in a lot of ways in the slime house ethos. Um, it's not necessarily humorous a lot, but there were a ton of tropes that I wrote down during each of these kind of like I guess there's five stories total in this. And then six, if you want to count the kind of just like campfire circle, I just wrote down so many tropes that were like, there's, there's a ton of like slime house tropes that we've identified, but it often doesn't feel like a slime house movie. And so that why to me was very, very, very fascinating. Well, it goes back to um, like what we said in the Jack Frost episode where like the slime house have to be a comedy. Like does a slime house movie have to be a comedy? And I think this movie is kind of an, another interesting example of that because like you guys have said a lot of it's meant to be humorous and there's a lot of it where it's meant to kind of evoke a different kind of mood something very kind of disjoint from that but i don't really feel like that aspect of the movie like dilutes the slime factor of this personally i think slime house can be a drama i think it can be not just a comedy like hypothetically yeah i agree because i feel like this like we've covered a lot of spooky slime movies but like this isn't like a a super scary horror movie by any means, but this I would say of all the movies, spooky slime movies covered is the closest to being a straightforward horror movie as opposed to like a horror comedy or a horror like, or just like a spooky movie like Hocus Pocus. Like this one, it just felt, it felt almost like barely toned down because I, I think that it probably has a lot of the same inspirations and stuff. It reminded me a lot of Creep Show, which I think is like because I think the stories in Creep Show are they're already sort of meant to be so comic booky and cartoony and they tend a little darker to this, but like I think especially like the story with the flies in this, which I think was the least comedic, the most sort of like straightforward one. Like I wouldn't that would not be out of place in Creep Show or one of its sequels virtually unchanged other than maybe being a little bit better production value and stuff but like it felt like those sort of tales from the crypt ec comics type like be careful what you wish for type like stories that i feel like it it, it really did feel it really accurately like jasper was kind of saying earlier i feel like capture the feeling of like telling stories around the campfire with your friends and i i think that the touches that they had were really good on that and sort of like like jasper was saying him saying like oh this happened to my cousin or like oh i knew the guy i knew the guy this happened to i think that's such a realistic way to sort of do it and yeah it felt like good storytelling yeah 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 uh-huh <laughs> yeah it fe- <laughs> so yeah it felt like it, it truly felt like adaptations of like campfire stories or like eight or like old horror comics especially that beginning with sort of the rapid fire urban legends i think like there's a link between like we talk sometimes in slime house about like DIY gadgetry and DIY attitude and I think like the approach to storytelling that you more or less get here with these kids in the campfire is like basically kind of like DIY in a sense they're making these stories up and they're adding these flourishes and details like Max said about this happened to my family member once and things like that and I feel like I think of that as like a DIY slime house trope in of itself I love that I think that's super cool, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. Something you guys said kind of like ignited a flashback of my own of telling stories at camp. And I remember one particular camp time, I, like I was always into stories. It hasn't changed that much, you know? So, you know, I would always tell these good stories and I was I was into it, you know? And, and at one point the counselor was like, hey guys, like she kind of like wasn't supposed to be listening, but of course she was. She was like, 
hey guys, we had one of our campers say the stories are too scary. So for the rest of tonight, we're only going to tell funny stories. And, <laughs> and I remember being pissed off, you know? And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm watching this movie, The Willies, which I don't know. I have to say, the particularly the last story is is a little bit of a slog. It's, it's like a solid 40 minutes, which is like, for me, the most difficult length of anything, you know? Like, I think that is the, <laughs> the hardest thing to watch. Is like Lengthest. 40 minutes long. It's like, I, I fell asleep watching that, so you're not. Yeah, it's, it's a dip. That one in particular is challenging. But I think going, approaching things from the traditional Slimehouse lens, I'm waiting for comedy, right? But I think you're on to something jared and that like okay maybe there are like kind of like grindhouse like you know there are horror movies in slime house i think that are you talking my... like grindhouse like the anthology movie no or... i'm talking about <laughs> the genre <laughs> of grindhouse, you know but but to the to the point about like the campfire like scary you know the counselors telling only tell funny stories i think so often like with kids related stuff we're so used to it having to be funny. Even if it's Halloween-y or like spooky, it's still like gotta be funny. And so I think in a weird way, I think I was thrown off by how like icky and weird and frankly not funny, not trying to be funny the movie was. In particular, the last, uh, the Fly um, anthology. Yeah, it was pretty horrifying when his parents walked in and he had two bloody stumps. <laughs> yeah yeah like oh, i was man. yeah oh, and, the, oh and, and yeah it was just a strange and like the whole like segment of him like plucking the wings off the flies oh god and, like, i was like had, this kid's and it had like this him. like classical like this very like calming music like yeah that scene i feel like felt like it, it could have been out of like some weird like so, 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 so yeah some weird like super dark like maniac like movie like maniac or something it's like that like that that last sequence like truly didn't feel slimy really in any way <laughs> so for our listeners who have not seen the willies first of all it's free on tubi second of all uh the the last anthology episode is about this bully type kid overweight uh who lives in this small town and has a habit or a, a fascination with flies and that's sort of where things get weird so so the last one that you're talking about i have a term for some movies that we i don't think we've like ever dedicated like an episode to but i think the willow bees from the recap episode kind of fit this mold but like anti-slime movies where like it has like some thematic elements of slime house where like your your main character is like this kid who thinks he's too cool for school but it's it's reprojected in this way that's kind of like he's he thinks he's too cool for school but like he's actually an asshole Whereas, like, it's, it's not like Max Keeble's big move where, like, he's too cool for school and everyone loves him for it. It's, like, this very different, warped kind of, like, idea of, of what a Slimehouse protagonist is and how they interact with their environment. And I think, like, that, la you know, I know we're starting, like, kind of in reverse at this point, but, like, um, I think that character is so interesting to look at uh, as, like, a anti-Slimehouse uh, protagonist, if you will. That's a, I love that because he's an unlikable character and an also an unredeemable like at first you're kind of meant to feel sorry for him you know because he's an outcast and all these things but then he just frankly sucks you know and he's like yeah the movie is like icky in that way in the in a way that i'm not used to because i think when i go about slime house i do expect max he like a cool guy you know yeah, yeah, well, and the exactly. thing is like you could have a story a lot like this one with the f flies and with the flies 
becoming giant from eating the manure and the, like you could do a slimy take on that material especially like considering the fact that like gross food is so present in the main sort of not conflict but the main like sort of thing he's the, he, he is him putting like flies in the cookie as raisins like that could be played off like a like how to eat fried worms like gross out gag but it's yeah. presented as like chilling in this no, movie like, it's <laughs> like, strange because all the things that you sh- that could be literally just a matter of framing and tone that would be in a slime house movie like him making these little dioramas like in the movie uh for the audience's information the way this scene is treated is like dark like we're uncovering this secret and this kid is troubled and we're learning that it doesn't feel like Oh, like, oh, this kid's so weird and gross. Look, he likes to just mess with flies. Like, it just felt like, and his parents were like, we're worried about you. This is, like, not okay. <laughs> and then, like, when he gave that cookie to that girl, she was like, why do you do this? Why are you like this? Not like, ew. Like, yeah, like, I feel like you don't see, like, you, you don't see, like, disturbed characters in Slimehouse to this degree. Yeah, and, like, yeah, they like could, the, bur- the flies could have, like, eaten him and then, like, burnt and, like, it didn't show anything. But, like, you saw him <laughs> screaming with his arms off. What to me made the fly story because I do agree that grossness in general is to me immediately rings a slime house. Like when he's playing with the flies and making cookies with the flies in them, I'm like, oh, that's kind of slimy because slime house is so rooted in just like gross and icky stuff. Yeah. But then when it turned really kind of sinister and kind of strange and just kind of evil in some ways my perception of it still kind of felt a little bit slime house because you need to remember that this movie is the the willies is a movie about kids telling gross stories i i didn't view the fly movie kind of in a vacuum as its own thing when you view it in the context of like there's these 12 year old boys in the backyard camping out like trying to one-up each other who can tell the nastiest, scariest story. Then in that interpretation, it to me rung still as kind of Slimehouse because it isn't a story that... Because it's part of this greater, you know, idea of, you know, campfire stories and campfire storytelling and, you know, teenage tween, you know, humor. And so in that way, like, it... I didn't disregard it because it was too creepy and strange and almost like Burton-esque in how it unfolded. Almost like there's some like almost like Cronenberg stuff in some of these movies too. Just like really strange body horror, like bizarre stuff that I personally thought was pretty cool. But if you're watching this through a certain lens, I can see it coming off as a little like shocking and definitely like very unappealing this movie's like uh that meme that's like mom i want mcdonald's we have mcdonald's at home the mcdonald's at home but this is like mom i want david cronenberg's the fly and she's like we have david cronenberg's the fly at home and it's this segment of this and movie it's, it's the, the third it's anthology the, 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 yeah, yeah. of the willy it's like do, dr doolittle 67 which is called yeah. fly boy <laughs> this this section is called fly boy by the way, mm-hmm. oh, Fly Boy, I love that. Right. Yeah, that's a, I like that title. <laughs> Isn't that a, a movie with James Franco in it? Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, Fly, Fly Boy. Boy. And you know what? Boy. Like before we move on from this specific like aspect, like Jasper and like Jared, you all are on that same vibe of like. Just because this isn't necessarily like the same exact slime vibe with like how lighthearted Slimehouse can usually be, uh, I feel like it's made more Slimehouse in that. The root of Slimehouse is that it's, like, made 
specifically for children and like basically through a child's lens and this is like the way that kids would view these stories like and want to scare each other uh and like that aspect of it just really makes it slime house to me too so like i think that's a really interesting observation you all made yeah yeah i agree that's a that, i think that's a very sound point that i kind of had forgotten about because it's so long um and i think to that point and i don't mean to be a, to you know beat a dead fly but like you have so many scenes of him just like walking around and nothing happening you know and on the one hand like maybe a better director could like build suspense in that but honestly there's just so much dead air in it that like took me away from the kids at the campfire like i was not thinking about the kids at the campfire whereas at least in the other installments they were short or contained enough that i i was still kind of thinking about the kids at the campfire who are calling each other buttheads and who are you know talking about grosser than gross and the urge to urge all that stuff that <laughs> is, is totally is it- slime is this the movie that popularized the whole urban myth about microwaving your dog or something? No, I think that's always what been is a that really, myth. Uh-huh. Yeah, there, well, I remember hearing about that one. Everything. Yeah, yeah, it's I a remember. common urban. Well, it's it's even the movie urban legend, like the slasher movie, includes a, a, a shout out to that legend too. It's it's just a really common urban legend. I don't know what started it or popularized it, but maybe yeah. that already set the mood off for me. But that urban legend has particularly always freaked me out so i was just like uh like i was starting to feel kind of grossed out at that point i was just like uh but it was so funny because like the whole three minutes the dog was just like kind of like perched and they're looking really normal yeah yeah it's like nothing happens until it opens yeah well and that like whole explosion that felt even though it was darker than a lot of slime because like a dog was blowing up but like that was when the movie felt slimiest it was shot in this very stylized almost like felt like yeah. Hair, John Waters like hairspray type way yeah like it felt very and like the way the dog exploded was so cartoony there's a segment before that where a woman's accidentally served the rat at a fried chicken place and yeah. like when she realizes it's a rat the camera like zooms in and out really fast and then and, and then there's the, the the middle section of that is where it's like Another one, I think it's based on an actual urban legend about the Haunted Mansion, and it's like a guy on the Haunted House that's clearly supposed to be based on the Haunted Mansion. It's a lot scarier than the Disney World Haunted Mansion, but like it's a, that has hitchhiking ghosts and stuff. They're clearly referencing it. And that felt like a slimy segment to me, just in that it was like a, a theme park ride that was like, like that was really scary. Like nothing had happened that was that dark in that one. And there was even like, Weirdly, the blood in that section was green in a segment where, like, a woman got her throat slit. But the blood in the rest of the movie was red. And it's like, I don't know if the green, the, the throat slitting would have just been too violent. But, like, yeah, the green blood ring is slimy. But the rest of the movie, the gore was obviously not realistic gore. But, like, at least was, was blood red when there would be... Like, and there's a, there was some actual, like, more blood than I've seen in any slime house movie. That second segment especially had a lot more blood but there was a scene where someone's blood fell in the toilet and like he was washing the windows with a heart at one point and yeah there's this would be i think easily the it's not super gory but the goriest movie we've covered on the podcast yet which does makes it not ring as slimy in some degree to me just because i don't feel like the violence in slime house is ever bloody am i wrong in misremembering that like the microwave scene like there's actual like mini like mini hot dogs yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah okay. There's hot dogs in with like the viscera, and it's like that. I don't know what that was supposed to represent. The or, the yeah, dogs, yeah. Oh, I get it. I guess so. Yeah, that's and that's total kid logic right there, and uh-huh. like that's something a kid would make up in a story. 
and that whole scene, like I agree with you, it's like the way it's shot. It feels like an outtake of a uh, Allstate uh, PSA about fire safety. <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was definitely reminded of the PSAs that we looked at, Jared. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we you brought those aesthetics to the table. That and just for context too, these 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 three tiny segments: the, the fried rat, the haunted mansion, and this this poodle souffle, as the segment is called, are are the three kind of mini segments that open the movie. But the kind of middle segment in between these three mini segments and the flyboy segment that we've been speaking about is uh, a segment called Bad Apples, which is about this um, young boy who's kind of struggling with bullies at school and finds a, uh, a an interesting friend in the school janitor, a very sinister friend in the school janitor. This one was very interesting to me because I think it was... It had, it had the structure of a Slimehouse movie in so many ways, you know, offbeat kid dealing with bullies. We've seen quite a few janitor pals in a few movies we've watched but it definitely turned into something as max alluded to gory and really violent and kind of just like a very sinister tone so this was a very interesting kind of as dorothy was saying too um you can have all that you can have the setup of slime house but then at the same time you know it can go a totally different direction yeah and like that's that whole segment has a lot of like slime house tropes and like imagery in it like there's takes place mostly in a classroom where you know this this uh, main kid that they're talking about is not believed when he's trying to tell the teacher that there's a problem with the monster and then also like in that class uh, eventually there's like a paper plane fight that breaks out there's spit wads yeah there's a... all that yeah and the bullies are like are like archetypal bullies one of them has a has a mullet yeah and the iron yeah. iron maiden shirt uh, yes. obviously oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah that second segment was interesting because yeah like you were kind of saying it's has so many slime tropes of just like yeah a bullied kid like and then he him sort of getting come up and but it's like yeah it takes a darker turn it's violent and like it seems more focused on the janitor character by the end than the kid, which I think takes away from the, the slime. Like it's more about this scary janitor and the kid. Cause it, the story goes a little bit longer after the kids out of the picture a little bit. And it's just like, it feels more based around the scare of this like janitor. than Yeah. Who has a connection mm-hmm. to this monster. I think on a personal level, it has uh, a really fun, uh, practical, makeup gag which i i loved i actually rewound and watched that a few times and they do it they do it twice in the movie i won't say what it is but i did something similar in my own short film um so i was especially interested and the first time they do it is in the is in the middle segment and it's done perfectly the second time they do it at the end of the movie as like a a final kind of wrap it all up with a bow and it's done really badly (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about nelson and Mm -hmm. i i literally smiled like ear to ear when that initial kind of (laughs) it's a practical effect that involves you know this monster transforming and yeah it's great for for a movie that really does show kind of as low budget nature very very often um this actually might even be a straight to video movie i've seen conflicting information about it so this might be the first straight to video movie we've watched on the show too but for such a low budget movie the effects in this are awesome at some points like Mm. like truly you know you can tell their effects but in a way that is just like wow that was like really cool for such kind of a low budget effect there's an amazing um transition in this movie from the campfire to the schoolroom, 
when they start this second story that we're talking about now that I immediately, I think I like literally said, whoa, that's cool. Like by myself. I'm talking about the part where Sean Astin starts talking and then the school, the school backdrop appears behind him with all the paintings like of the art show. That's what I'm talking about. That is a cool transition. There's one they mess up where I think it's to go back to the thing where it's supposed to be like a draw, like a picture on picture drawing transition. And it's funny because these are all stuff I like. I have that in a movie I did too. Like these are all like low budget effects that are that I like. But that one they mess up. Like they they accidentally like put it in the wrong place. And I was like, guys, amateur hour <laughs> hey, over here. Hey, hey, we're not here to critique the quality. <laughs> we're here to only discuss its sliminess. And well, what do you think, guys? Think of the sliminess of this of of this second story. The main slime aspect to me in this story was the goo and the gore and the monster but it honestly near the end uh at the end of the story when it pans out to the kid outside the bathroom just kind of like listening to his bullies be like ripped to shreds kind of like <laughs> letting it happen it kind of framed that even less slimy that could have been slimy or you know kind of like shrugging and like skipping and whistling off but he kind of looked like you know kind of like disturbed with himself too kind of like staring out into the distance like it kind of set the tone for flyboy to me yeah, and then you get, I think if I remember correctly, he gets picked up from school and he's like traumatized, you know, and it's like he just like has this dark secret that you know the bullies <laughs> follow him eating. for the rest of his life. <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's not quite the wish fulfillment of Slimehouse. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like kind of the darker version. Like, be careful. Like as I said, like it's instead of a wish fulfillment, it's more like a be careful what you wish for like, yeah, yeah, kind of like story that. than anything. But because yeah, I think the framing of like having this really mean teacher and like these mean these bullies, I think he gets like uh, like. I forget exactly if it's a wedgie or not, but he's hung and some hanged in some cartoonish way, like from the rafters. Like, yeah, it's like, and that felt very slimy. And these bullies had very slimy lines. Were very like, I think these were great slime bullies. At one point, when he's going, because it's sort of like we said, a boy who cried wolf story, which I think that's very slimy. We talk all the time about the like nobody believes the kids type thing. I mean, it's not so, so like it's him trying to tell everyone there's a monster in the bathroom. And then people go into the bathroom not believing him and getting killed by the monster. And that just kind of repeats and that's the story. But the bullies, at one point the bullies have a really good, what I felt was a very slimy line where he's like, take him to the monster. And he's like, I bet you just took like such a huge crap you thought it was a monster. And it's like, that's 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 a good slime house bully writing right there. Of course, like a mean teacher is a huge slime trope. So that mean teacher in there, uh, I feel like that was kind of like kids wish fulfillment when, you know, the teacher kind of finally got her come up and... That teacher was so mean. Yeah, the teacher was so mean. When he, like, wet his pants, she was like, you're a disgrace. Like, go clean yourself. Like, it was, like, really, She's like, like, what are you, a baby? And I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, and she's played played by Kathleen Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's been in a lot of... We've seen her in something. I forget. Because she's in a lot of the Jerry Lewis movies. Was she in Heart? Oh, she's in Hocus Pocus. She's in... I forget her. And she... And she Shrek. did a voice in Shrek, yeah. Uh, she's in Dutch, which we covered, and then <laughs> oh, Heartbeeps yeah, as well. So yeah, she's oh, yeah. Uh, on her on her way up in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, uh-huh. great, yeah, very funny actress. I was Grumman's too. To oh yeah, she is, and she's like the yeah. A lot of, a lot of interesting cast pops up in this. Like we said, the Twin Peaks cameos, and we mentioned earlier the cameos from the Growing Pains cast. But what we did mention is that like two of those. They're playing their characters from Growing Pains, like on the TV, talking to the kid in the Flyboy segment, which I thought was an interesting sort of like, 
I feel like referencing like contemporary pop culture is something we've talked about a lot in Slime. So having a scene where like characters from a popular sitcom break the fourth wall that felt very slimy to me. Weirdly, there's a third. Um, there's two other Growing Pains cast members in this movie that just play characters. They, but then Kurt Cameron and I forget the actress's Tracy name. Tracy Gold. Yeah, Tracy Gold play their characters from Growing Pains. So it's like that's weird. You got two cast members to like be their characters and just two character two actors just popping up in random roles. But yeah, the, I felt like the the Growing Pains reference that sort of like breaking the fourth wall meta humor about contemporary pop culture. That was something I thought rang is a little bit slimy in that flyboy segment. There was one other interesting kind of pop cultural reference that I think is relevant to this show. Um, in the flyboy segment, the, the titular flyboy has a bunch of weird science comic book posters up on his wall, which, you know, is a movie that we covered very early on in the show. So it's fun to see Slimehouse or proto Slimehouse being referenced by more more Slimehouse or more movies within the Slimehouse world. And then, Max, I want to bring up something that I think is of particular interest to you. I know you're going to... It's a hat. <laughs> um, as, as a big fan of the band Korn, did you oh. notice the... Oh, the mic... Reference? Yeah, yeah, the, the microphone. <laughs> it, the, the news network, the fictional... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was... I, I, that, yeah, that definitely stood out to me. Corn TV. K- or K-O-R-N. K-O-R-N. It's, yeah, a, the, it's a radio station. Yeah, yeah, because it's where the farmer is. And what year did this movie come out? 1990. So the band predates the, the band. I wonder if they ever sit, sit down and watch the willies and got the... <laughs> Actually, the comic books that uh, Jasper you're talking about on uh, Flyboy's wall uh, are, I believe, real comics that are like, I don't think, I think Creepshow comics are just called Creepshow, if I'm not mistaken. Max, you would know more than that. It's like weird something. Like, they're like... Weird, weird. There was a I noticed something. I was like, these are like a really well-known like horror anthology. Like, they're, well, Weird Science the movie series. and like the song are named for Weird Science, like a comic book series. So, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like... So it's a clear reference to the anthology horror thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It also, it does have, and there's this older farmer character who's doing like kind of like mutations with manure. You can't make that up. And it does have this kind of like science vibe that was like very early on something we latched onto. But then we haven't seen it all the time. But when we do, it kind of comes in, in spades. Um, it's funny. Aesthetically, it's, it's kind of its own thing. It, it has this kind of like low rent, are you afraid of the dark feeling to it? Some of the aesthetics I wouldn't necessarily call Slimehouse, um, but some of them, you know, some of the gross outness fits well with it. So it's it, it's a mixed bag in terms of the way it looks and feels, let alone the stories themselves. Do we want to go into some slime scores, or do yeah, we want to in. do we want to save slime scores for the end? No, let's do this one and then yeah, yeah. I like I think that's here. a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, good point. I can go first. So. All right, yeah. You Jump ahead, in. Uh, after this conversation, I actually feel pretty high on this. Um, I think it's kind of an interesting kind of blueprint of what Spooky Slime would be more defined by, by as movies such as Ernest Scared Stupid and Hocus Pocus. And I actually feel like there's a lot of interesting content here that might get, I might reference later on as we talk about movies that are like subversive slime or anti-slime, things that like should be Slimehouse but aren't. And... Um, I think we'll be referencing this movie a lot in the next uh, few seasons, actually. And I think this is the slimiest shuffle we've had since at least Firehouse Dog. 
maybe the most overall, in my opinion. So I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to bounce off Jared. Um, I'm going to give it one notch lower, a seven, but I was very pleasantly surprised at this. Um, I it Again, I think it kind of leans a little too sinister um, and kind of mutant Americana-y at points for it to be like full slime. But I just think the the idea of, of kids telling campfire stories, one-upping each other with these gross stories, and then each of these stories within and of itself having enough you know, sliminess to them, whether it be in kind of raw rudimentary forms or like true, you know, funny, gross out lines um, or gags. Um, I really do think this was a was a very fun slime shuffle pick. So it's a seven for me. Yeah, I can go off of that. I would agree. I'd give this a seven. I think like as I've kind of said, I think some of the stories tend a little darker, a little more sinister than we're used to seeing Slimehouse go. But I think are you afraid of the dark feels like such almost like a spot on comparison to me and that like that show I think in like its place in Nickelodeon this has like sort of a 90s Nickelodeon vibe I mean it has the actor that plays Donkey Lips from Salute Your Shorts as the lead in Flyboy and like it just has sort of a very Nickelodeon kids horror vibe and like I said even though we've kind of talked about ways this movie isn't slimy I think that it just captures that like campfire story vibe so well which I think is such like a a kid slimy vibe that even if this movie maybe doesn't have like we said it tends to be scarier more grim than Slimehouse tends to be it does capture such like a a child's point of view of like what's scary and what's gross and the way these kids sort of talk in the campfire scenes is all very slimy like the slang they use so yeah I feel comfortable giving this one a seven I think it's a very interesting entry in the the spooky slime cannon and the slime cannon overall and glad the shuffle gave us such a obscure movie that i definitely wouldn't even heard have been have heard of otherwise um i guess i'll go next um or dorothy you can jump in too well no i i know what my score is i'm just trying to figure out the best way to give it um it's a one for me no i'm kidding <laughs> um, <laughs> you uh, had no. me for a second <laughs> yeah you had me too i was about to be like what the fuck i'm gonna i'll sort of go in unison i don't i don't have to talk for too long it's a it's a seven for me as well i think that had had this movie had a bigger influence i think i could go higher but i do think it's kind of while it involves a lot of the tropes, it is kind of its own thing as well in a lot of the horror elements. Um, so I think a seven is the right score for it. Like it's still a steady as they come movie, but it's not billowing over with slime. I'm going to be extremely boring. <laughs> I'm not going to be the odd one out. I'm going to say a seven as well because I was, for the exact same reasons, I was very pleasantly surprised by it and that it was a really unique view of slime that we haven't really gotten yet uh and that was what i love the most about it so yeah seven out of ten for me but you know guys there's just like something that's been bothering me lately like i can't seem to figure out what, what is it i'm sorry guys i i'm gonna have to sign off for the night i really just need to figure out who is this Harry Crumb character? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let us know when you find uh, out, Dorothy, because we yeah, have our theories. It might, it might take a few disguises. I'm going to need all the help I can get. So you all talk it through, and I'll 
and touch base. Touch <laughs> yeah, base. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll touch yeah. base in a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll catch up. Let's I'll do my research. Find. Okay. Uh, well, great to have you as always. Yeah, it was great yeah. having you. Yeah, so. I had such a good time. Uh, I hope yeah. to join again soon. Sooner than later. Yes. Stay slimy. Did you hear something? No, not me. I think I heard something. It was probably just your stomach. There. Did you hear that? What? Are you just trying to scare us? No, no, I heard that time too, Kyle. Shh. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll puke, you'll die when you catch a case of the willies. A woman in danger. A fortune in ransom. I don't care what they want. I'll pay anything. A mystery in the making. You don't know anything about this kidnapping, do you? There's only one man tough enough to intimidate the suspects. Smart enough to uncover the clues. Brave enough to catch the kidnappers. Who is that? Harry Crumb. <laughs> That's right, the Harry Crumb. <laughs> He's the last in a long line of great detectives. My reputation precedes me. Otherwise, I'd be late for all my appointments. <laughs> He's a master of disguise. I am the Jules Delioche. Could you spell that, please? I don't think so. Try it with a D. You get paid for this? Usually, yeah. Are you a fly fisherman? Fishing is my life. Who's Harry Crumb? So, because we love slime shuffles so much, we couldn't just do one, but we had to do two. And uh, this one presents a question for our listeners. Who's Harry Crumb? Yeah, who is Harry Crumb? Well, it turns out he's a bumbling and inept private investigator who is hired to solve the kidnapping of a young heiress, which he, and he is not expected to solve this mystery because his employer, turns out, is the mastermind behind the kidnapping. All right, so this one was directed by Paul Flaherty. Uh, he was the writer for The Tracy Ullman Show, for Muppets Tonight, and for SCTV, which famously John Candy got to start on that show. And there's a lot of SCTV alum that show up in cameos here, including Joe Flaherty, brother of Paul Flaherty, who plays a doorman in this movie, and later... Uh, probably most well-known by people now, he played uh, Lindsay's dad, Linda Cardellini's character, in Freaks and Geeks. Uh, and Paul Flaherty, he has a short but important directing career, uh, directing filmography, uh, which includes 18 Again, which is a George Burns body swap comedy, which sounds like a potential proto-slimer for sure. And most importantly, Clifford, one of my personal favorite comedy films and films that in the Slimehouse canon, and I'm sure we'll get to that one very soon. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he's an important director in Slime, despite not having made all that many movies. Um, it stars John Candy, who is we've seen in Home Alone. Uh, this was actually one of four movies he starred in in 1989. Uh, he was at a real career peak there alongside Speed Zone, The Rocket Boy, and most famously Uncle Buck. Um, it also has Jeffrey Jones, who we've seen in Beetlejuice, most famous for, um, I would say, Ferris Bueller, and Annie Potts, who's in Ghostbusters and from the sitcom Designing Women, has a big role in this, as well as Shawnee Smith, who appeared in Saw. Um, it was scored by Michael Columbier, who 
um, did a few. He did a lot of obscure Italian exploitation films. He scored some movies like Deep Impact, uh, Purple Rain. Not too much notable work in slime, but just wanted to give him a shout out because this, this movie's got a banger of a score, I would say. One of the highlights of the film. And it was uh, cinematography by Stephen Katz, who uh, shot Blues Brothers and a few other SNL uh, adaptations. And so... So this came out in uh, 1989, so a little bit before the peak of Slimehouse. And as we've said, John Candy has a, a career that's kind of very adjacent to both proto and early slime, but he passed away before sort of the peak of the genre. So it's kind of, kind of an interesting career that uh, we haven't touched upon too much yet. I assume like the Willies, we didn't really have a lot of experience with this movie until uh, the Slime Shuffle brought us here. Um, I can say for myself, since I didn't really talk about it, as you all know, with the uh, Eddie Cat episode, it was a birthday pick, and it was my 30th birthday. The Willies was the last movie I watched in my 20s, and Who's Harry Crumb was the first movie I watched in my 30s, and that is probably the only way I will remember either of these movies uh, <laughs> 10 years from now. They, this episode is like the, the crossroads of Jared's, you know, transition into the new decade exactly yeah this was a funny one i mean as with a lot of the slime shuffle picks i have sneakily added them on um but (laughs) this was one even when we landed on it i didn't even remember was on the list um which is funny because when we landed on it you know we were all kind of like who's harry (laughs) (laughs) and and first off i think this is one of the worst titles ever i think that like any first of all when you have a movie that is just the first that the person's name i think that's a really terrible title unless it's like a really catchy name or or a famous name what about bob but that's a fun i don't know for some reason what about bob what about bob works but who's harry crumb it's just like i don't care you know you're already you're already you're already giving the audience this leeway of answering the question you know, do, oh, do you want to go see who's Harry Crumb? And I'm like, no, I don't know who Harry Crumb is. Like, I don't care, you know? Do you want to discover the identity of Harry Crumb? Do you want to see who is Harry Crumb? It had to be scheme. some, like, scheme to, like, build hype for the movie or something. But, like, Harry Crumb's not a fun enough name. It just sounds like just, like, an actual guy's name that you'd know. And, like, it's, like, not... Who's Harry Crumb is not a fun... Because, like, the name Harry Crumb, though, I feel like doesn't really make me want to know more. I'm just like, oh, it's just Harry Crumb. <laughs> I'm reminded of a trope that Max identified that I, is not a Slimehouse trope, but is a comedy trope of, like, uh, when we covered Balls of Fury, which was a very low-ranked Slimehouse shuffle, um, how there's something about, like, iconic names that was really popular with, like, Ron Burgundy and Ricky Bobby and this feels like a, a, a predecessor to that where it's like trying to build the mythos like i mean the movie like sets itself up it, you can tell it like sets itself up thinking like oh if this is a hit if big if uh we're gonna have who like what's harry crumb or whatever the sequel is gonna be called you know well this is like I, it's like a this predates the internet this movie's released and like with aol in like the late 90s i think you got more like viral kind of like campaigns like what is the matrix.com or I love bees.com for uh, the gamers yeah. out there. But yeah, this is a uh, not quite that, is it? It's, it's funny too. Cause it's the plot is almost a carbon copy of Beverly Hills cop. And, and the aesthetics are really similar, like fish out of water guy coming to LA specifically solving a crime case, you know? And I, I and, and it just, to me, it felt like poor man's Beverly Hills cop throughout the movie. Just like, it's 
similar like oh he's so out of place here isn't he huh guys you know like <laughs> yeah the beverly hills cop reverend that, that's a good one and i i think i probably thought about it during the movie but you know it went in in one ear and out the other the the movie that that it reminded me of which i had seen comparisons to ahead of time but i, I think do ring true are both the pink especially the pink panther you know just kind of um inspector Clouseau, you know kind of just like bumbling around figuring stuff out but harry crumb is a lot smarter you know he's not like a total bumbling buffoon um and then a later movie that i saw it reference to which is a, is a key movie that we have yet to get to is the master of disguise um which i think the master of disguise is its own zany you know bizarre thing from another era but to me it kind of like going with the Beverly Hills cop comparison to it kind of like sits in the middle of these three. Um, like at times this movie kind of pushes into something kind of absurd and wild. And then at other times it kind of plays it really straight, just kind of like a basic detective, you know, PI movie. Yeah. And it doesn't really hit a nice stride in any direction. Cause it feels like it's, it feels like a movie that, you, that now we kind of call like a, a a movie that was a victim of like studio meddling like nobody everyone had an idea of what they wanted this to be and then it just kind of became a nothing burger like like a red herring of a movie if you will to speak in detective terms <laughs> yeah to, to, to me the, the the movie to throw out just another movie this reminded me of we've had a lot this reminded me a lot of like the naked gun movies which oh yeah mm -hmm. like more than anything it just felt like sort of the way that a lot of it sort of felt like it was a detective story played straight like, it would just be these normal sort of interrogation conversation scenes, but then Harry Crumb would just be kind of, like, bumbling around the room, getting, like, a fish stuck on his hand, or, like... <laughs> when this movie was at its most absurd, which I think it would have been a lot funnier if it was a lot more of, like, a gag fest, sort of like the, the airplane or naked gun movies are. Because when this movie would kind of get on that vibe, I think, was when it was at its strongest. Because this really felt like, a lot of the times, just, like, a much less, like, rapid-fire less absurd version of the naked gun movies and like i feel like the, the way those movies kind of succeed is yeah they're kind of played straight but then there's just all these gags going on and leslie nielsen's acting sort of goofy and so like like so and that's what harry crumb really reminded me of especially at this movie like i was saying at its most the scene with the fish is an example there's the scenes where he's in disguise i think are when the movies are at its most absurd and those all reminded me a lot of naked gun and the movie that reminded me most of I think it had a lot to do with the intro and how we're like introduced to Harry Crumb and we first find out who he actually is. Basically, he owns like a building or something or like an office and like there's a picture, a portrait of his father. He's like Harry Crumb and there's like I guess he's Harry Crumb Jr. or something. Um, but that and it's just that and also like the character Candy is playing in this. It reminded me a lot of Tommy Boy, which I don't think we've ever talked about on Slimehouse. But that's another movie about a bumbling uh, heir to a. Um, business who has to learn how to uh get good at uh running the business so to speak and john candy's kind of like um comedy sense of comedy and style of comedy is uh very much uh compatible with the kind of comedy chris farley would do in tommy boy but that i don't know if that's a slime house movie and i don't know if this is a slime house movie but that's kind of the first thing i thought of actually but do you know a, who harry crumb is <laughs> he's tommy boy yeah. <laughs> actually that's a really I, it's funny tommy boy is one of those movies i've never seen in full but i've seen so much of it on tv yeah, like it was too. one of my like in high school it was just always on tv so i've seen I, I know i've seen it in full just not sat down and watched it but i think that both the movies maybe more so with harry crumb just 
unlike say Naked Gun, which is built around a lot of visual gags and and clever trickery and 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 knowing the tropes of cop dramas and having a lot of fun with them, I think Tommy Boy, but more more so Harry Crumb leans so heavily on John Candy to do all the heavy lifting of this movie that I don't know, the rest of the cast is all just kind of playing it pretty straight, mm-hmm. you know, like even like the villains aren't I mean, they get a little hammy at the end when they're sort of like admitting their faults, but they're not funny characters, you know, or having funny things happen to them. Like in a more slime arts movie, there'd be a little more like sprayed in the face with goo or something like that. There's not really any of that. It's it's just yeah. like the villains are all kind of straight. Candy gets to do some goofy things, but he's just like, I just was like kind of exhausted by how much he's like forcing humor into this movie. Yeah, yeah. I had that in my notes that like, yeah, the only comedic character in this movie really is Harry Crumb, like no one else. And Jeffrey Jones, Annie Potts, both actors who have done a lot of comedy, both funny actors. And like they could have had them be more comedic characters and they weren't. And to go back sort of like that first scene that Jared was sort of talking about, like the way Harry Crumb's introduced the, the openings, that's like the second scene of the movie where Harry Crumb's introduced in the building. But the opening is this just it, it, like, it looks and sounds like it has this sort of like sleazy jazz score, like something out of like Brian De Palma's like body double. It like, it's yeah. like, just looks like this, like <laughs> very like eighties, like cocaine chic, like, 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 like like neo-noir erotic thriller and then and the whole time that entire scene i was waiting because especially when at one point like it showed the woman's silhouette when she undressed behind like a partition for like there to be a gag where like because i knew it was about a detective of disguises for her skin to like drop off and her be john candy in a disguise like i was a hundred percent sure that was the gag they were gonna go for and then when she just like got kidnapped and the scene was played totally straight i was like oh well i guess this isn't the kind of movie i thought it was because i was expecting like more yeah like a more absurd sort of thing and when this just had this very straight like erotic thriller opening i was like what what kind of movie is this is this even like a, a comedy i thought this was going to be like a the naked gun or, or pink panther or something and another then the mystery of like that opening scene and it's kind of like a whodunit and like another movie this reminded me of and it's probably probably shows how like uneducated i am about whodunits that this is like the first movie it makes me think of is knives out with like uh with harry crumb being kind of like benoit blanc or daniel craig's character and he's kind of like this fish out of water who goes and basically kind of infiltrates this like family dining like where like the mystery about who kidnapped this person is a lot like the mystery in knives out where like there's a lot of like complicated family dynamics that are part of the puzzle and like you're kind of along for the ride that said whereas knives out has a pretty interesting mystery at the core of it. I'm I'm a little more lukewarm about Knives Out than most people. Who's Harry Crumb is a very like bland kind of mystery. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they give it's they give it all super too interesting. Yeah, yeah. The story is very boring. But that said, but jumping I see tropes into... in it that are like that. Yes, like, between definitely. the two movies. Yeah, yeah. But that said, jumping into the sliminess of this movie for for kind of like its first half, first third is kind of just. Harry Crumb, the John Candy character, going about getting involved in this mystery. But then we have the Shawnee Smith character kind of jump in. And she's this teenage kind of sidekick. She's the sister of the main character who is who has disappeared. And once she appeared and gave it this kind of more young energy, it kind of leaned a little bit more Slimehouse, just with its kind of tone and kind of its like 
young gumshoe trying to learn the tricks of the trade with John yeah. Candy. And so in that regard, it kind of pushed it a little bit more into the Slimehouse realm in a way that I didn't expect from the first kind of like 20, 30 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Without that character, this is a one out of 10 Slimehouse movie for me. But like something about her, like it's like how you're introduced to the character and how like the, the person who was kidnapped is like her older sister who's like kind of like the her parents kind of appreciate her more and you know Sonny Smith on the other hand is like kind of underappreciated by her parents and like uh, there's kind of like that being underestimated by the parents kind of thematic kind of element that I feel like is actually very like you know complimentary to Slimehouse the other thing I was going to say about her is that like the fact like it's kind of how she's like involved in a lot of the like kind of like chases and kind of action and mystery in the movie. It reminded me a lot of Michelle Trachenberg's character in Inspector Gadget, which mm. is not a movie we've talked about very much, but like Central I honestly, of one of it's it's one of the richest texts we have not covered yet. It's like yeah, I can't believe we haven't scheduled. Yeah, it. I think having this sort of like plucky like like it's not played super slimy, but having this like plucky teenage detective that's smarter than the real detective that's sort of the straight man to like harry crumb even though harry crumb is like the real detective and he's the adult man like he's the goofy bumbling one and she's like the straight man that knows what's really going on like that did yeah i agree that felt very slimy and yeah inspector gadget was actually something i thought of too both like the cartoon and the movie having this sort of like wacky bumbling detective who's the so-called like pro but then the one who really knows what's going on it's like just this like underestimated teenage girl that did ring as slimy even if i don't think it was played super slimy in the movie like from a storytelling perspective just bake break it down to like the facts that was the one of the things i actually put down in my notes like this is a slimy aspect of the movie and like jared said i i, I think this would be like not even remotely slimy if it weren't for that character it just feels like i said like a poor man's the naked gun <laughs> but when you put in that that at least gives it something I think that's a good distinction is like on paper this looks like it would be a slimy character and i think we all probably were like waiting for that moment We're like oh a kid you know or a teen you know but they just they don't give her enough to do in terms of that like i think yeah it doesn't execute it in the slime house manner in a way that you know that should have like that if we wanted this to be a, a slime house movie it would have um i will bring up some stuff that maybe is worth addressing i'm i'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts uh there are some cartoonish type moments that are uh where it goes a, like just a couple times it goes a little outside of the realm of like physical plausibility where he there's one scene where he ends up on top of a spinning fan and he like goes crazy with that and, and that had a moment of cartoon come to life and then another time he does like a backflip <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know those had some <laughs> cartoons coming up. The backflip, oh, the backflip Aikido scene. Yeah. I, I had a genuine laugh in that. I, it was maybe the only like genuine laugh in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it, it, yeah, I I also likened that to like you know, oh, this is something that would only happen in a cartoon. Like yeah, and th- th- those are the parts that in particular reminded me of the Naked Gun. These just like very absurd like visual gags that like are, are just kind of come out of nowhere and like aren't like just th- those felt and the, the 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 chase scene i feel like was another scene that sort of got to that more absurd part the scene where he's in his car and it starts going out of control and he like 
at one point he has he pulls out a book he's reading like emergency driving for dummies or something like while the car is about to crash and like those all felt like when this movie's at its most like absurd i don't know if i would say it it feels slimy but it's at least when the movie didn't feel like lifeless and at least like like felt like a like, waste of our time felt like a, a comedy so like <laughs> yeah. wow we have some we have some grinches in here on this movie and i also think it gets a little raunchy too um as we kind of talked about just humor wise i think uh, max you were alluding to kind of like the erotic thriller confusion in the beginning but i think a lot of the humor just comes off as a little raunchy as well um we've watched some raunchier movies on the show and we've kind of determined that that is you know pulls it away from slime house so i think for me that is what really kind of pulled mm-hmm. it away a lot is is just the raunch and the humor um because as nelson said there's some there's some very cartoon slapstick gags like slapsticks does not immediately mean Ooh, slime house you know slapstick comedy is, is slapstick comedy but i do think some of the slapstick in here feels extremely cartoonish but then it you you have these jokes of you know sex jokes and other raunchy things that just pull it right back into you know unslimy territory a more yeah. like mainstream comedy mm-hmm. I, I mean this i was thinking about this i was like this isn't the movie like kids or families would take their kids to go see this is like a date night movie that just is like eh, that we could have done better you know like that's i feel like that's the demographic of this movie. yeah this like, just feels like just like an 80s comedy movie just like a random like dumped in theaters like about like like i, I didn't hate the movie but just kind of dove a dime a dozen like just comedy movie and yeah like you were saying like we've talked about how some of the slime house movies will have like raunchy humor but the raunchy humor in this was like much more adult like it was just like pubic hair jokes and like jokes about like like j- jokes that definitely like a kid with like sex jokes for a mature audience not sex jokes for like a preteen or tween audience the way you see them sometimes and like yeah it even gets like a pretty it gets pretty explicit in like a way that slime doesn't and yeah this just feels like a a comedy movie and that's i yeah. feel like the most <laughs> you could say about it but but there is a the main character of this movie is referred to as a slime ball by the FBI ladies. So. Oh, that's true, and that's true. not quite a cop, but a, a, a all eye cab all cops are bumbling. He is a private eye who is assisting yeah. in an investigation. The so, of it all, yes. yeah, he's he's a bumbling investigator, which at least is a borderline case. A piab, which could be a, a wordle word, maybe, yeah. <laughs> oh, or a quirtle word. Uh, yeah, Quirtle's uh, tight, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, I will say there are some aesthetic nods here that I was like, oh, this, you know, there are some there are some scenes that were lit in a really like brightly colored, almost like Dick Tracy light kind of way that that felt a little bit of the Slimehouse realm with just those bright primary colors, just bright gels, kind of angular, um, super stylized. But for the most part, it it is a pretty dryly shot movie um which i think also kind of takes it out of out of the slime house realm so i'm wondering are we ready for some slime scores for this one you guys yeah i think i'm yeah, ready i don't really have anything to say about this yeah. movie I'm, uh, I'm glad we gave willie's more time for... yeah willie's definitely <laughs> yeah, a, more, like, a more central text to slime house yeah because like we we rolled this first on the slime shuffle and we then did, we were we like did. i think, uh, that, would, I think we yeah, that would have been a slim episode so. <laughs> i know <laughs> so like we i'm glad we re-rolled the we dice and a double shuffle this was the time to do it you know so mm-hmm. I can go first, and I, I think this is a two, and it's not a one simply because of that uh, Shawnee Smith character and just, like, the bumbling nature of it, and they actually use the word slime. So, you know, there's <laughs> enough here to 
not give the lowest score I could for a comedy, but, you know, not much more. Yeah. I mean, I can go next. I mean, I, I know I alluded earlier saying this movie would be a one if it weren't for the Shawnee Smith character, but just sort of as we've talked about it and, like, stuff, I might actually go back on that. I think even with uh-huh. the Shawnee Smith character, this movie, even if, because, like, like I said, even if that's slimy in, in theory, I don't think it was unslimy. It's just not enough for me to consider this movie really anything more than just, like, your standard 80s comedy. Like, it just, just feels, like I said, just like a poor man's naked gun, and I, like... It just feels like kind of just a half-assed John Candy vehicle that, like, because, like I said, he had four movies that year. They can't all be winners. This was just a... <laughs> <laughs> I love John Candy, but, yeah, this just felt like kind of just kind of half-assed in, in pretty much every regard. And just, just, yeah, it's just a comedy. And for that reason, I'd give it a one. It's just a comedy movie. It doesn't really feel like anything but that. Yeah, these are great points, both Jared and Max. Um, before I give my score, I want to tell you about my favorite part of the movie, which is there are three shots in the climactic chase scene shot in Pico Robertson, my old neighborhood in LA where Jasper and I were roommates. I I lived there for five and a half years. And of course, no one would know that unless you lived there, but it's like distinguished locations, the Wells Fargo Bank, uh, the Twin Dragon Chinese restaurant, and the Jack in the Box. Which which we never ate at the Twin Dragon and it was a block uh, away. Did did they have the uh, Shalom Pizza? place couldn't see that in the shot further up the street i don't think that was open in 1989 but it was a true like i mean i see la in movies a lot but it was really fun for me i have like in all earnesty like it was so fun for me to see like my old stomping grounds where i hung out like and it was just three freaking shots i was like give me some pants come on guys (laughs) give me some more i was um but yeah so that's the best part of the whole movie um as a slime house movie i was actually like I had kind of a frowny face on. I was like, this isn't even, like, worth a Slimehouse episode. Um, <laughs> it's a 1 out of 10 for me. I think even, yeah, with the kid. I, I think it's just, like, it's too thin of a stretch. You know, like, another director could have taken the same plot and done it. But, yeah, this movie is just kind of, like, more in the realm of, like, Beverly Hills Cop and Naked Gun, which I don't consider those Slimehouse at all either. I think those are their own types of comedies. Um, and I think it's... It wants to be that. It doesn't want to be kids. So I, I think this is a, a, a true one out of 10 for me. I'm going to go with uh, Jared. And I was teetering between a two and a three. But I think after this conversation, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it down to a two. My reason being, I mean, I don't think this is one out of 10 because of that kid, kid, you know, kind of nature of it. But I also think a kid could enjoy this in theory. Like, I think I don't think it's like removed enough from like you know the true like 80s comedies like a beverly hills cop that i think like a 12 year old could enjoy because it's action-packed but i think like there's enough scenes in this that like the slime house audience can enjoy and have a good laugh at so i to, to me it's actually I'm, i I might go with my actual three um just because that was my gut after i watched it um so you always got to go with your gut and your immediate reaction so um yeah it's a three for me but yeah this is this is nowhere important to the slime canon i don't think um but it's an interesting movie in some regards just because it's like a weird artifact of 1989 but that said i did watch a movie that i think we need to get to and i want to say it on the show is is uncle buck i watched right after this which came out the same year not necessarily a slimehouse movie but i think an extremely important movie to slimehouse so i I highly recommend we we look at that one one very soon. 
Yeah, I think that'd be a good one to revisit, especially especially because of the John Hughes element. You guys, this is maybe our first time that we've had Fibonacci slam scores. A one, a one, a two, and then a three. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, That's history. Uh. Actually, sorry. I, I'm, I'm looking at my other scores. I'm going to drop this down to a two. Uh, oh, sorry, Jared. I know you were excited. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I, I was just, I was going through our sheet. Sorry, I was talking really loud. I was just going through our sheet, and I gave Cranks a two, and I think this kind of feels on the same level as that. So I, I'm going to go with the two on this. Sorry, I Jared. I forgot, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Hey, um, honestly, as his line is it anyway says... The game's made up and the points don't matter, to be honest. But hey, it, it no matter what, it's not going in the slime cannon. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that I think that you know sometimes with a shuffle, you know sometimes you land on gold. Um, and we've been lucky so far. But I, I think this is one that, that like maybe we need to be a little more uh, discriminatory with what's in there. Just a little more discriminatory because they're you know this is one that I'm like, eh, well. I've seen Harry Crumb. I know who he we is. Know who is. Uh-huh. That's, that's, I guess we, 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 the, the, we've answered our, the, the eternal question. Who is Harry Crumb? And yeah. the answer is he's, he, uh, he's just Harry Crumb. Huh? <laughs> he's Tommy Boy. All right. Well, that was a fun episode, you guys. We'll probably do more slime shuffles like this. We'll do two firsts, maybe three firsts. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? We no, can go crazy I, now. We're not doing three firsts. So, but, uh, um, <laughs> sorry, not to be a Scrooge. <laughs> well, now you just got all the listeners' hopes down. Now they're not going to tune in anymore. <laughs> but anyway, thanks so much, guys, for joining us. Uh, that was the Willies and Who's Harry Crumb on the Slime Shuffle Meter. Go check them out for yourself. Let us know what you think. And uh, until then... He's the best at tracking down the worst. Nimble yet clumsy. Cunning yet naive. He's a man's man. Loved by women. He's coming on strong. He's coming through. And he's coming to a theater near you. Harry Crumb. John Candy. Looks like this one can get a little rough. Who's Harry Crumb?